0: This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. My intro today, I don't know, maybe it sounds different from the other ones, maybe it doesn't, but I'm recording this intro on my iPhone We had a storm last night, four inches of rain, and uh, the water washed away our driveway completely, and so I'm working from home, and I can't get to the office, and I can't get to my microphone, so this is it for this week. This episode has been sitting in a, a digital folder for, I don't know, at least three months now and since i recorded it it's been not only in the digital folder but also like firmly lodged in my head and my body. Jonathan Ingram is a uh pretty impressive man that i met last year. We were put to we were put in touch by a colleague. He ended up coming out on a force of nature retreat last fall and he was the uh i don't know what you want to say but he was like the um the ass kicker of the group or one of the ass kickers in the group. You know, every group tends to have somebody who steps up, takes more on, takes a leadership role, does the chores, kind of is a workhorse. And Jonathan was that. And and not only did he show a a real sort of strong sense of leadership and masculinity, but his story and his heart and his depth and his, honestly, wisdom just shone through uh, in the group of men Jonathan is the founder of Father Grief. You can find that at fathergrief.org. And you might even imagine just hearing that phrase or that website already that uh, this isn't a pretty happy story. There's pretty parts, there's happy parts, but Jonathan's story is of fatherhood is one of loss. Jonathan, uh, from his website, Jonathan is the proud father to two children, Hannah and Oscar. In 2020, three-year-old Oscar died in a terrible accident. Jonathan knows the burden of strength this experience requires, the anger, the shame, the overwhelming despair. He also knows through hard-earned lessons that love, community, human connection, and gratitude are required on the healing path. His callings are to help create these conditions for other healing fathers. So far, in all of my podcasts that I've done, I don't know that any of them impacted me in such a direct, powerful, chilling way. I'm really, really, really grateful for Jonathan for who he is and what he's sharing and i I mean this this might be a little dramatic way to say it, but i I feel like this conversation and what Jonathan has to share here it should be required required reading, required listening re- required contemplation for the job of being a dad and as this podcast is unfolding, I really recognize that there's there's been a lot about death. And I think that's appropriate. It's probably not where the podcast will always focus on, but I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity to have conversations at this level on this topic. So I'm very, very, very proud to introduce and share Jonathan Ingram and Father Grief with you. Before we get into the conversation, I just mentioned that Jonathan was part of a cohort of the Force of Nature, which is a primitive retreat here in Maine for men. And I've just been sort of reconsidering what that means. I've been going through a big transition myself, I would say spiritually and uh, just existentially. And I'm feeling the call to offer deeper and I would say more powerful parts of what I have to offer men and the world. And Force of Nature has been a, a beautiful and powerful experience. And this time I'm I'm intending to to kick it up a notch. And I feel like men are just running around our whole lives not having been initiated, not having the right mentors, not having community, and having to literally make it all up ourselves. And I feel like we, you know, we don't have a great tradition to lean on. We don't have practices to lean on. So in some sense we're just doing it as we go one of the big elements that I've been changing with is I think there's a a sense of naivete and hubris I've been carrying about, you know, the point of all this. And the point of all this maybe in the past was to make some big change, have big dramatic results, change the fucking world, be a hero. And I'm really grateful (laughs) to say that I feel like I'm maturing and realizing that, uh, What's actually in front of us is a much more sober reality. The world's not going to change. We're not going to change everything. We're not going to fix everything in this lifetime. But I'm starting to feel the wild importance of doing our part now. So this weekend, Force of Nature is me doing my part and helping bring other men together to do their part while we're alive here, while we have this opportunity to be together and make choices with our time. So Force of Nature... We're going to go on an island, we're going to eat some food, we're going to sleep under tarps and under the stars, we're going to have an opportunity to have the type of inner experience, the marriage of the inner and outer experience that transcends who we think we are. Hopefully we're all going to have a chance to meet who we actually are and who each of us are in a much more deep and fundamental way, in a way that carries forward and means something to ourselves and others in an ongoing way. So force of nature it's coming up may twenty sixth to twenty eighth you fly into Maine or Boston and uh hopefully have something that that's really meaningful so we'd love to see you there'm going to share just thirty seconds on the unbreakable bond. The unbreakable bond is a backpacking and climbing expedition in Yellowstone National Park this summer, and a handful of dads and their young ones have signed up already have some spots to fill still so this is for fathers and their sons age 13 and up 13 or 14 and uh, you can find out more about this trip and force of nature and everything else that i got going on at dandody.com that's d-a-n-d-o-t-y.com all right thanks for being here and uh strap in here comes the conversation with jonathan ingram John, good, good morning, man. Good to see your face. Um I I guess to set this up, what I want to say is that uh, as soon as I made the decision to uh to create this podcast and to commit to to conversations about fatherhood, it was really intertwined with with meeting you last year, you know, both both some of our initial meetings digitally and then spending some time together in Maine. And um I guess I want to be really honest that. You know, my first sort of feeling was uh, one of a little bit of fear, and also one of um, a real draw uh, toward toward having this conversation with you. And um, so, I don't know. Before we get into anything anything of uh, specificity, I would love uh, just have yourself ha- have you introduce yourself. Give give sure. us a sense of we don't need. Every chapter of your life, but I don't know. What are the main things that that you reflect on when you when you share who you are to the world?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, think I I uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. I uh, I, I will say, um, I, I think I shared, um, you know, some of the interest in just having these kinds of conversations, and I think, um, I think our is the way in which we have connected is sort of in line with what I'm trying to accomplish as a father and the way I'm trying to sort of live my life. And I think, you know, my hope is, um, you know, and I think that when the context becomes a little bit more clear for folks who are listening, right, they'll, they'll kind of have a sense of, of, of of what I mean. But I think my hope is to help um, through my story and through my experience to help other men um, uh, see What's in their lives on a day-in, day-out basis, and uh, feel gratitude for that, and to not take it for granted, and um, and to really understand that the, I think, kind of the capital M meaning of life, to some degree, is very much linked. I think to fatherhood, right? for for me, and I think for a lot of yeah. men, and. Um, so I, you know, I, like I said, I just appreciate appreciate the opportunity to, to sort of speak with you. But um, so just just maybe just a just a little bit about myself, just kind of high level. I won't you know go like go into the go into the weeds too deeply. But um, so you know, my name's John Ingram, Jonathan Ingram. I I, uh, I am I am a father. Um, you know, first and foremost, a father of of two children. Uh, one of those children passed away a couple of, a couple of years ago um, and that's part of why I'm here sort of speaking with you but um, you know my my story I think is is not um, it's not unique but it is I would say a bit uncommon in a sense that um, you know I grew up uh, as hard as a human being can grow up in this country right so you know long durations of extreme poverty and homelessness and surrounded by really profound insecurity and fear, um, but also tremendous love and gratitude and um, connection with my family. So um, there's this sort of um, sort of background of sort of deep connection to family, um, but also deep insecurity that sort of led me down this path from a very early age to sort of craft this personal philosophy of um, of extreme will and actually um, Corey, who, you know, mutual acquaintance of ours, one of your facilitators at some of the retreats, he called it um, extreme ownership. And I hadn't heard that term before. Um, uh, and it really, really resonated with me, but I, I sort of adopted this philosophy of taking absolute responsibility for everything that ever happens to me, whether it's really mine or not, right? And, and I built this um, this plan as a young man, this will, to pull myself out of poverty, um, to redefine the path of my future and to, to sort of serve as a stepping stone for any generation to follow. Right. Um, and I and I executed that, um, taking advantage of opportunities when they came up, um, but I really built a life and, and built a family. Um, and that extreme will um, was an incredible tool in those circumstances. But one of the things that I found is that once I sort of attained or achieved that security or that, you know, that framework of, you know, um, uh, uh, losing the fear of insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. That those extreme tools, uh, uh, extreme ownership is, is, it's very difficult to wield, Uh, in functioning relationships with your partner and with my wife with your children right because it's very one-sided right it's very driven Mm -hmm. it's very uh, very focused um, and sometimes you have to slow down and open your heart you know and I've and I've had to learn that lesson in a lot of places in my life because I just that doesn't naturally sit on my shoulders I I constantly have to get hit in the face with it so Uh. that's
0: well that's (laughs) that's wild so because yeah so I want to to take a quick step back to sort of reflect, I think to share with you. I don't know that I've shared this before, but also for the listeners that this project, this Fatherhood Unlocked platform, um, you know, the the fundamental intention is to, is to inspire and educate and create community for dads around the world and, and really just have a, an honest look at what it actually takes these days to do the job all the way, right? And yeah. And you you just named it. You, you you already named what I see as as the core sort of skill sets or areas of capacity. And if if I were to really distill it down, very very simply, it is it is the 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 being part of life, the connected part of life, the vulnerable, caring, touching in with your heart, touching in with your gut, being a part of this human community and uh, relationship to self, relationship to the to the planet Earth, spiritual, all of that, right? That's that's sort of what we could call it just a compassionate heart, as as a crib note. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other is the fucking fire, right? The the yeah. fucking will, the drive, the action, the building, the the precision, the clarity. And it's it, it really, it really is. And it's it's so it's so uh it's wild to drop in with dads of all backgrounds and just kind of check in. Like, where are we? Right? Like, like some dads had these beautiful open hearts and are just, you know, kind and gentle and present and caring and all of this stuff. And then flop, you know, flop, flop at work or flop with vision or just can't really get anywhere. I would say, you know, one of the stereotypes is the opposite, right? There's ass kickers. You got the David Goggins of the world who just like, you know, fucking kill it no matter what. And then Mm -hmm. it's just like, well, dude, are you still a human? You know? So I want to just, what I want to offer here is in my limited time with you so far, I believe you are an incredible, incredible, incredible example of, of having, of having access to the, to the full spectrum. And I just, I want to, um, I mean, that, that makes me really excited and it, it really feels like an honor to have you sharing your story because, um, that is what this is about, right? It It is about creating. The space for stories and examples, like, because I just think that's part of it. We don't have many examples to go off of, right? Yeah. To, to, yeah. Of men, so, um, yeah, and and I think that that extreme ownership piece and that just you know get shit. I mean, I I would actually like to hear just a little bit more about how it felt to pull yourself, because yeah, that was this little snapshot. Yeah, you know, sounds like some pretty fucked up shit, but you made the decision about you know i'm doing this different and somehow i'm curious what did that take what did it take to mobilize um was it and was that in an inequality to a sense or to a to a certain degree i'm curious
1: yeah that's interesting so um i think to some degree there is an inequality in me in terms of you know you can't you can't deny in anyone right the the sort of individual characteristics that are required to move great distances, right? Those those have to exist, but I think they can also be developed. So I don't want to, I don't want to rely too heavily on that. But I think I think for me, there are a couple of, you know, um, I was always a really, really sensitive kid, a deeply, deeply feeling kid. And I felt um, that insecurity and that fear in ways that were um, I mean, I felt them physically in my body in ways that were, are very difficult to, to describe. And, you know, as I, I sort of went through this journey um, where, you know, my father's addictions became worse and worse, um, our family's home was foreclosed on when I was about 11 years old. So just on the cusp of puberty, right? And I think that matters. Um, I think that period of time when um, you enter into, you know, when, there's a lesson to be learned in puberty that I think we lose. And that introspection, that self-focus, mm-hmm. I think that comes through mm-hmm. puberty, right? Um, we can lose a little bit. Um, and I think I was fortunate in that the worst of my life as a childhood happened during my pubescent years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we so kind of, kind of an odd fortunate timing and i've been lucky with a lot of timing honestly and that's just a weird one <laughs> but um you know my family moved to las vegas from from illinois i grew up right on the banks of the mississippi river originally hmm. and uh um we moved to las vegas my mother had some family there and things just didn't really get better they got worse and worse and eventually we found ourselves with living on the streets so i mean sleeping in ditches and junkyards and um on the you know and on dealers couches just surrounded by um, Um, uh, real fear. I mean, it's some, some, some very dangerous circumstances, right? My father in and out of jail for long periods of time. Um, and it was just me and my mother and my two younger sisters at that time. And, you know, as an 11, 12, 13 year old boy, um, I, I adopted the role of being a protector and being a father. And it sort of built this, this fundamental, um, fundamental, sort of value in me of sort of duty toward family, sacrifice, hardship, perseverance to that space um, and protecting those people who you are closest to. Cause when you're poor, the only currency you have is loyalty to your people. Right. That's it. Mm, mm. And, um, and I, and I built that in me and I, I was, my family was sleeping in a junkyard one night. My, my mother and my sisters and my father were asleep um, in the back of an old broken down pickup truck. Mm. And under the full, you know, North Las Vegas sky, right, you see the strip illuminating the horizon, then you see stars in the mountains, right? It's this sort of borderland uh, kind of place. And, uh, and I, uh, I I wandered, wandered off with my dogs, little dog Scotty, who we brought with us. And I, uh, I sat in this old broken down dune buggy, you know, you've seen the old dune buggies from like the 70s, right? I sort of sat in that. And I sat there thinking about the place that we were in and the circumstances we were in. And I made a decision in that moment. Um, A lot of things led up to that, but I made a decision that that would never be my life. And I plotted a course. I mean, in that moment, I plotted a really 15 year plan. Like this is what you're going to do to get out of this. And it involved going into the military and creating space to go to college. And so there was a pathway that's available. Right. Um, And I, and I did that, Um, but I didn't, I didn't follow the path exactly. It turned out I could play football, and that got me to college, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I got graduate school paid for for free, and you know, there, I, I took advantage of the opportunities that were available to me. Um, but I just I, I I adopted this very singular purpose, and one of the things that I've struggled with, and one of the things that I think keeps um, keeps people and keeps men where they're at compared to where they want to be, is that that act required absolute selfishness for a period of my life, absolute focus on doing what I could do and controlling the things that I could control to pull myself out of that circumstance. And when you focus on yourself, you lose, um, you know, that much, you feel guilt and shame around, you know, Mm. what's, what about my sisters, right? What about their life? What about my family at home? And there's this kind of process that I struggled with. And that I, I, frankly, I still continue to struggle with today. Um, but it was really in that moment and that moment, um, that, that set a course for me that this just wasn't going to happen. It was an absolute decision. Um, and, and, and I started to see success with that and you start to, you know, it reinforces itself and the power of will, the power of decision, um, and you build this like confidence in yourself that there's absolutely nothing that I cannot do. Right. Um, And that's good. And that's bad. Right. There's good things and there's bad things. Right. Every, every, every great quality is the, is the opposite side of the coin. Uh, The opposite side of the coin is our, is our greatest weakness. Right. So um, but that's, that's the, that's what, that's what brought me here. That's kind of what, what kicked me off.
0: You know, I mean, I mean, even if, if the story ended there, there's just so much to fucking dive into. I just, what I want to say is I, I, I don't know. I've, I feel like, I've felt the kinship with you since we first had a chat. One of the parts uh, that I feel a kinship with you and similar is, is I was also an extraordinarily sensitive young boy, like really, really sensitive. And, you know, I don't know, basically, you know, laying at night, obsessing over deep spiritual questions worrying about death worrying about my parents death but also just felt so much i I feel like if i if i could have a time travel and go back to how it felt but you know i felt i feel like i felt everything everybody else felt but yeah more intense more intensely than they felt it Mm -hmm. um and um yeah it's it was it's really wild i i also um have it maybe reflected on it very precisely, and it's it's a very different story than yours. But just that that self mobilization uh, and and finding access at some point to to be fucking unstoppable, right? I, I also really really uh, resonate with that. Um, yeah. So thank you. That's that's mm-hmm. that's fantastic context. Um, I think maybe later in the conversation we may loop back to talk about your father a little bit, but I don't think yeah. we'll get into it right now. Um, okay. So you said in your intro here that, um, you know, fatherhood has, has a touch point with capital M meaning. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like I would like to share a little bit of like, t- tell me about that. what did becoming a dad, what did it do to you, man? And, yeah. and what, what, what has it meant to you since, since that journey's begun?
1: Yeah. So it, it very, it very, it, it very much leads out of the story I just told you, honestly. I mean, so. You know, when I when I got to college and I met my wife and my whole perspective on love started to change. Right. Uh, But the the sort of the life that sort of leads you to adopt extreme will um, it it, and to have that clarity of sort of vision and purpose down the road. It it builds in you something where you're always sort of looking toward the horizon. You're always chasing Mm -hmm. meaning. Um, You're Mm -hmm. always chasing purpose. And everything that you reach, once you sort of get out of that, you know, you know once it, it, for me anyway, everything that I reached, it was just like, this is, this is hollow. This tastes like straw. Right. Yeah, um, and that dude. constant churn of looking to the horizon and having, having, um, Uh, you know, having no real ability to be present and happy and pleased and feel grateful for what you have. Um, And and just feeling that drive is a, it's a, it's a crucible, honestly, at times, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, And that's the way I kind of governed my life with that that drive, with that, that, that will. And, you know, my wife, we met, we met when we started dating when we were 18 years old, right? Um, We've Mm -hmm. been, we've been together for 22 years at this point. Um, You math whizzes can, determine my age, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, um, but we, uh, you know, she, uh, it's sort of long, long, she, she's done a lot of yeoman's work, um, sort mm-hmm. of whipping me into shape in terms of accessing and feeling. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, a big part of my journey to have a, have a closer understanding with what I feel and to be able to reflect that in the world is very much tied to her example and, and her, her quiet presence. Right. Um, and one of the many ways that she has influenced me is convincing me because I had no intention of having children, none whatsoever, mm-hmm. partly because of how, how ruinous my childhood was. And, 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 yeah. uh, you know, and, and I just, I didn't have any, any interest in it. Um, and what was your
0: vision just real quick? Like, like at that point, when you look forward, was it like uh-huh. domination through business what, <laughs> What's the one sentence of like, what, what, what was the future vision of, of Will? Did you have for, one?
1: For, yeah, for, for my, my ultimate goal was um, foreign service, uh, chief diplomat somewhere in Western Europe.
2: Wow, yeah.
1: holy crap, that, that cool. Was my, okay. that, was, that was the, the yeah. ultimate vision, right? Um, yeah. And write and be a writer right yeah, uh, yeah. which is funny because when i was a kid all i wanted to be was a forest ranger so i just wanted to be <laughs> in the woods you know? kind, of a, kind of a weird uh weird departure but yeah that was it uh-huh. um but uh yeah so um but she, you know my wife um you know through through the journey that partners have together right the, the give and take we sort of decided we were going to have a child and um and you know my wife tells me she's pregnant on my birthday it's my, my birthday present and um you know, we go through that journey and, um, and, um, and it's, it's, it's great. Like just the whole, you know, experience the whole, the whole sort of, uh, pregnancy journey, right. It's just very, very connected, very beautiful kind of thing. And, and, uh, and then my, you know, she goes into labor and, you know, we head off to the hospital and about 44 hours of labor later, I mean, just oh, absolutely gosh. brutal. Um, I caught my daughter, Hannah, uh, you know, I was, and, uh, and there, the, the, the complexity of feeling is, it's, it's hard to describe, but I felt um, I felt love in a way that I didn't even know could possibly exist. I felt heartbreak that my father wasn't there to see me hold my child. I felt this state of euphoria and joy and gratitude and absolute purpose and absolute meaning that everything else, that I have struck, that I strive for everything that I ran toward everything that I was looking for, um, was right here in my hands. Right. And that euphoria, I, I kid you not, it-, it, it was like a drug and it lasted months upon months for me. And my daughter didn't sleep for 18 months. So it was a <laughs> good
2: thing. Good thing I- you had
1: I- some juice in the tank. I-, man. I needed it big time, man. I needed it big time. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was just this, um, You know, there's these moments and there, you know, the dune buggy and meeting my wife and then the birth of my first child, you know, who just, you know, my daughter, Hannah, she's eight now just showed me everything that I had been missing everything that I didn't know was there that was the whole point. And it's very easy to think of fatherhood as a small thing as a common thing. Right. As something that um, becomes diminished in value or not worth your energy or appreciation or focus because it's common and everybody can have it and everybody, you know, it's 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 not exceptional. Right. And that's what I struggled with is this idea that I wanted to have an exceptional life. And I failed to see that what was exceptional was right in my hands. And and, and the first gift, you know, my wife had been hammering that on my head for many years, uh, but it really took her, you know, gutting out a child to really, <laughs> to, really, yeah, right. to really hit the point home, you know? Did it, did it, did
0: it, did it fucking slap you on the face and then go away or did it implant? Like, did it integrate? Did, did that sort of, I mean, first of all, man, as you shared that, like, I mean, my entire body was like fucking on fire with tingles, right? And I'm guessing listeners felt something uh, noticeable as, as you shared your, your daughter's birth. But yeah, did it? What? How did it impact the extreme will? Like, did they balance quickly, or or did it? How did that feel?
1: Yeah, so um, it. That's a really interesting question because that extreme will part of me is something that's just never going to go away. Yeah. It's so fundamentally baked in either genetically or experientially that, and I, yeah. and part of my own therapy journey has been accepting that this is who I am, but creating space yeah. for everything else. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, um, it didn't diminish it, but it put it in perspective, right. Mm. It put it in the, it put it in the right perspective in the span of my life. Right. And, um, it just, it shifted my focus and, and I will say it connected me with a sense of awe that I was looking for that I, to that point, I had only really found in the, in the wild places of the world. Right. Um, And, but having a daily opportunity to sit quietly with your child, to look into their eyes, just in a, just in a normal, trivial moment, right. And feel a sense of awe, like that is, that's worth something. Right.
2: Motherfucker. You're right. (laughs)
1: That's worth something, you know, and, uh, um, and I knew from the very, as soon as it happened, all the bullshit about not finding, want to be a dad, It's just like, you're so full of shit, dude. Just like, you're yeah. <laughs> just, you, yeah. you fool, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's just for me. I'm not, you know, it's a, a completely yeah. valid choice not to have children. I completely yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, it. it. Put it in perspective. But it also, it also is hard. It is still really, really hard. You can feel this absolute truth and beauty and 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 the lives of your children, right? Um, and still feel that your day, your life becomes changing diapers and attending to these child's needs. And you sort, you can very easily lose connection with yourself and the things that make you whole as a as a person outside of fatherhood, right? And those are yeah. those are just as important. Um, they're not just as important. They are important, <laughs> um, but you know, I didn't lose it. And I've always, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the sort of, pri- so, you know, uh, there's a philosopher named, um, uh, Arthur Schopenhauer. He's this grizzled old German, this lonely bastard, uh, who, uh, uh he had this analogy that he used to describe human relationships and called Schopenhauer's porcupines. And the concept is imagine two porcupines on a, on a, um, on a freezing night, um, seeking warmth they come closer and closer to each other and huddle huddle closer and the closer they get to each other the more they skewer each other and as they skewer each other they back away into the cold right and then then they get cold again and then they move back together and they skewer each other and that's like that's the relationship that's the nature of human relationships and it's part of partly i think it's the nature of our internal relationships with ourselves like the dualities in ourselves right Mm -hmm. so you know like there's being a father and there's pursuing those things that are really important to me, being in the woods, being driven in business, being, um, yep. writing, right. Those things that are really important to me. And it's about balance I, you know, don't deny them, but find balance and, and place the right thing in the right perspective. That's what I've tried to do sometimes successfully, sometimes poorly, you know?
0: Yeah. Just as a little note, I'm just going to say it out loud, so I don't forget it. But, um, I'd be curious to talk sometime about, uh, some sort of organized writing project for, for dads specifically. Yeah. I, th-
1: I think that'd be really cool. Um, so I, I have been, let's, let's just talk about that right now. So, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> so one of the things that I do um, that I have done since Hannah was born, is, you know, I spend a lot of time in airplanes. I'm on the road, maybe 60% of the time, which is a real bummer, <laughs> but it's, it's, that's my life. Um, and whenever my flight is taking off or whenever my flight is landing, um, I write a letter to my daughter, and I wrote a letter to my son, and um, just about who I am in that moment, or some lesson, or some story that I intend to give to them um, on that that I intended to give to them each on their wedding days, or whenever some something day in their life, right? Wow. Um, and it's not it's it's attainable, you know. But um, writing a writing is just it's powerful, man. Like I could yeah. not, you know. I mean. Yeah. I could not have. uh, It's powerful. I I agree. I'm, I'm on board. (laughs) Say when
0: I love that. So when, when I was, when I was younger, right when I first got in my first men's group, actually a good buddy of mine, John O'Connor, he's, he's a coach and he was in first men's group I was ever in. Um, anyway, at the time he was engaged with a a couple of business partners to create, what did they call it? it? It never got off the ground. It's like the vault or something. And so what it was, was a, um, an app it was before the time of apps but it was basically an app online where you uh you wrote letters continuously and they were stored for safekeeping for your future generations right mm-hmm. so, so and there was prompts and man that that idea has always fucking stuck with me and it's it's one of the exercises that i have done in the fatherhood unlock cohorts which is um you know an opportunity to, to for over a period of time you know write write them save keep them and and then the, the prompt at the end is like, well, you know, save your letter or if there's anything in there, go fucking tell them.
2: tonight, yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. Right. Like yeah. don't, don't, don't save all the juicy shit for uh,
2: later. But yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I like more it. to explore. So, so Hannah is eight. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's, I, I want to hear the story of your son. Yeah. Can you tell us the story of your son.
1: I will um, happily, <laughs> you know, I, uh, so um, three years after my daughter was born, uh, my son was born almost to the day, um, you know, my, my wife told me that she was pregnant with, with uh, what was to become my son on my birthday again. Which is kind of funny, which apparently means it means I run in August, I think, which is it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, stay away from it. Then, but, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, she, she, um, she tells me, you know, she's pregnant and, and we're, you know, here, we're on, we're on the journey again, you know, and, and, the same great things, you know. We didn't. We didn't find out in the sex of either of our children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we go to the hospital on uh, on on June sixth. Um, I'm sorry, June third. My daughter's birthday is June sixth. My son's June third. And um, and labor is much more efficient. My wife is an accomplished pro at this point, and really really handles the business really well. And I uh, and I catch my I catch my son, just like I caught my daughter, and I see that it's a boy, right? And, uh, and, and I had, you know, I consider myself a fairly progressive guy. Like I didn't have a strong perspective on like, Oh, I really want a son. You know, there was none of that beforehand and fuck did I want a son? <laughs> I was, yeah, man. I just saw my boy there and I laid him on my wife's chest and I started weeping. I just started crying from some bone deep reservoir and just like this this I saw this life ahead of me this joy uh and to, to to have this young man in my life and I cried no exaggeration for 40 minutes I couldn't stop it was just tears pouring out of me nurses coming in and out and just kind of giggling and oh look at the cute display from a dad you know very cute and I'm just yeah. like oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. just weeping <laughs> it's, it's so so proud and so happy uh yeah. When Oscar, when my son Oscar, Oscar Thomas was his name, is what we named him, um, and uh, you know, just just I you know you think when you have your second there's no we we struggle a little bit with the idea of having a second kid because it's like Mm -hmm. our life is awesome Mm or you know um it's how could I love more than this why are we trying to mess with this you know let's not touch let's not be careful it's fragile you know um and your heart just splits and expands you know like in exponential ways I mean just the power of the power of love man it's it's just beautiful and it's wild, wild. it's it's, it's oh, the it's most wild, wild thing
0: i mean that's what's fueling this entire fuck. it's fucking it's
1: yeah it's
0: i i could talk about that shit all day long like yeah. what's, what's what's actually more central than that
1: yeah, yeah. so you know we, you know bring oscar home and we just and we watch him you know grow and, and you um you have ideas about what you think is going to be beautiful about the experience and all of those ideas, ideas are probably going to ring true right but um what um what was most amazing to me is um, you know my daughter is like a level 10 extrovert right she's mm. she is she's mm. a born a born executive takes no shit she looks exactly like me which is terrifying but <laughs> she's like uh, put put a wig on my bald head and you might yeah <laughs> but uh, uh um, but my son um is he is a mckenrick mckenrick is my wife's maiden name and he uh he he to the core very very quiet very introverted incredibly incredibly affectionate little boy um incredibly smart tact just um and such a fun fun kid and you know you see all these things and you know i live next to a nature preserve and like he loved the woods the way I love the woods. Right. And you feel this like tremendous pride and joy and like sense satisfaction. And we spend all of our time in the woods. But what I, what I was really just blown away by that I didn't really anticipate was just the relationship that I watched develop between Oscar and Hannah and their friendship and the way they played together and um, the way she bossed him around and the way he said, piss off and his own you know just kind of you know the just the, just the dynamic that that developed between these two children and um it it uh it was just the, it, it's just the whole the whole point you know I, I i get up early at five and i sit on my couch and drink a cup of coffee and and i hear every morning i'd hear him jump out of bed hear his feet hit the ground and i just he sprints he just sprints across the upstairs and down the stairs, and he stand, He stood on the landing um, almost always at sunrise, right? With this landing at my stairs with a, with a window behind it, and he turns and looks at me, backlit by the rising sun. And there's a giant smile when he sees that I'm sitting there, and he runs and jumps into my lap. And I got to do that every morning, you know? Um, and there's a thousand little moments like that. With him and with my daughter, um, that are just these little injections of absolute beauty, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was just it was just amazing watching him grow, you know. It just it's amazing, and we, uh, you know, it's hard. <laughs> Two parents working you know it's it, it, i don't want to i don't want to oh i don't want to oversell the joy of it it's it's hard the way i describe yeah. it to people is before i had kids my life was consistently an eight out of ten it was it was pretty good yeah. always i was going yeah. to europe you know i was buying yeah. good wine i mean i was i was I was having a good time <laughs> yeah. uh and but then after i had kids i had a lot of days that are 20 out of 10 and then a lot yeah. of days that are about one out of 10 <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's a bit more erratic but the, the extremes yeah. are, are higher but uh, Have you
0: heard the statistics that uh, it is statistically the least happy part of time of your life is, is not, the child rearing like pretty, I've heard pretty that
1: substantially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it, it creates the most disconnect between partners, right? So yeah. much of your, yeah. so much of your effort and energy goes toward those children. Um, you lose, you can run the risk of losing connection with yourself and what brings you joy is a, is a whole individual. You can lose connection with your, with your partner. Um, those are all real. I mean, and I've yeah. experienced every one of those, right. Um, and, and but, uh, but the beauty You know, the way I describe it to a friend of mine who's kind of grappling with this idea of having children or not, he's he's really concerned about giving up the part of his life that he loves. And I said, um, the love of a child and love in general, like real true love, is the most valuable thing that exists in the world. How how dare you think that you don't have to pay for that in some way, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, uh, you know, you you got to pay for it. There's a cost to it and just accept that there's a cost, you know, um, and, and point yourself in the direction, but I know I, I, am going all over the place. So my son, um, my daughter, my, my, my daughter, my son, daughter turned six, my son turned three, and this is, uh, a few months into COVID in 2020. And of course we're scrambling to find childcare, just like everyone else. Right. Where it's this, it's this sort of, um, you know, you know what that. Was like everybody does um and we hired uh we hired a, a caretaker from my my son's preschool which was closed my son's daycare um she came to the house for a few months and she was she was kind of in our home as a as a home nanny and um it was great she, she was she's mm-hmm. awesome you know developed a lot of trust uh, with her and uh she asked one day if we could bring the kids to her house um some scheduling issue. They were going to go swimming, and somehow, while he was there, um, you know, I, I dropped him off. I said, "I love you, buddy. Have fun." And about um, about uh, an hour later, I get a call from um, the caregiver's father, who was also on the property, that my son uh, fell into a pool. He somehow got out of the house and fell into a pool, and he drowned. He was on his way to the emergency room. Um, he was unresponsive. I called my wife, and we uh, we beat him to the emergency room. We beat him to Children's Hospital in Cincinnati, and we sat there with everyone in the in the in the operating room in the in the room prepared for him to come in, and we we just sat there for what felt like uh, I mean, it felt like an it felt like eons, right? Um, and they wheeled him in, and this team of it must have been twenty people were standing over and working on it, working on him, And, um, and uh, out of nowhere, um, a doctor just sort of appears at our shoulder and tells us that he's not going to make it and that if we want, we can stand next to my son and say goodbye. Um, so we, you know, we did that. And, and then they took him away and took photos. There's a whole Byzantine bureaucratic process that has to occur uh, in those circumstances where a child dies. And uh, then they allow us in to see him again. And then, um, and there's this,
2: uh, you know,
1: it's very easy to say, to use very sort of, uh, oatmeal kind of words like, uh, like heartbreak, right? Um, this is such a profound loss and profound despair um, as to completely redefine and reshift everything you will ever be from that moment on. It is a complete dissolution of self when a father loses a child, when a, when a mother loses a child. And there is no, there is no before. It's like a it's like a wormhole in your life that you step into that wormhole and when you look over your shoulder the, the everything that you were before that moment is so far away and so so distant that it might as well not exist right um, and uh, and we still had our daughter to care for right um, and she was still at this person's house she was there when my son drowned and. I, it's, it's out of body. It's, yeah. uh, it's You're just sort of floating in this space punctuated by intense outbursts of grief and, and weeping and anger, um, and, uh, but also a tremendous drive to make sure that our daughter is whole, right? Mm-hmm. My wife and I, I mean, from the start, what do we need to do um to make sure that our daughter is comes through this without being absolutely ruined, right? Um and it that that purpose, that anchor in our daughter, a lot of pressure for her, right? Um we, we can to be very mm-hmm. careful not to not to not to put pressure on her. Um but that anchor is I think what pulled us through is the love of our daughter. And um and you know that that really that really became our our focus um, especially early on. But on through
0: um, so yeah. i've i've shared this with you prior to this but um i did my best as as you're telling the story right there to, to to really just stick with it it is it is by far the most immense fear that i have in my
2: entire life
0: and um I mean to say that I can't picture it is 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 is, is a wild understatement and uh, just to know that you're here now um, is really important for me on a personal level. And, um, yeah, and I'm just I'm so I'm so grateful for you to share this. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of my a lot of my life. Um, in my own way, sort of in contact with death, and uh, as a practicing Buddhist, and, and just my spiritual life in general, it's um, yeah. I think there's there's at least some conceptual level, and it's deep. I think it runs deeper for me than concept. But there there's a um, in my own conception, death doesn't scare me but when I became a dad, that changed. Yeah. Yeah. It changed, man. Mm -hmm. And it started, it first started by changing was that, um, I think before that, before I became, before Duke came, I think like, yeah, I'll, I'll check out. Like, you need me to check out. I'll check out. Like, cool. Um, but when he came out, I was like, fuck, like, no, like, no, like, like just the, the, even the thought of the grief of not being with him was too much. And, um, it's not been—it's not been until I met you that I actually uh, stepped up to the line to even consider the possibility of, of it not being me going first. And so, um, yeah. I, I'm just fucking gobsmacked. I'm—I'm—I'm gobsmacked by your story, and
2: um, I can't imagine what what the road looked like, what the experience looked
0: like. To go through that, I,
1: I I think I think you're in a fortunate position, and that you are I think a, a naturally reflective person, and you've put work over your life into that practice, right? Um, but just as a father, and I'd say just as any parent, all of us, as soon as we have children, say you're watching a movie and a child out, you can't watch. You got to turn the movie off, right? All of us can touch it in some way because we feel that immense love. And the idea of losing that to death—it right, it, it, it comes into your mind at various points. And the way I was, I had to run away from it, like when it when I when I I distract myself with something, but you know before before it happened. Um, it's every parent, I think, has some grasps the concept of what it would mean, but very few of us actually spend time looking at it, you know, um, for any prolonged period of time. But, um, so um,
2: you know the
1: I was you know as I as I look back this, this is about about two and a half years ago at this point right that my that my son passed and um, and there is this um, this feeling that even in moments of joy or even moments of happiness that no matter no matter what that moment will be defined by the absence right when we spend a holiday with our daughter on christmas morning or thanksgiving or uh, we go on vacation or we just go to the park right there's always there's always the recognition that there's a piece of that missing right that 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 that, that our son is, is gone and 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 without being able to focus on our daughter right we would not I, I mean, I, it's just just, there's despair that I have trouble putting words to that's, that's, you just want it to end, right? You, you really do. It's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a brutal, brutal feeling, but when I, you know, I, I've kind of gone on this journey and I'm, I'm continuing to, to go on this journey, but I, I, when I think about now looking back, you know, two and a half years, it's all still as raw and as and as painful as it, as it, as it, as it was in the first day, but it becomes commonplace, right? It becomes a standard that you have a new threshold of um, discomfort that you can just bear, you know? Um, But we didn't do it by ourselves, right? We, um, we had a tremendous community um, and I had uh, tremendous male friendships Mm. um, that I had worked um, as part of Sort of my journey in life that I work to develop and maintain—that vulnerable human beings, open human beings, people um, that you can rely on, not just to crush a crush a couple beers at the Super Bowl, you know what I mean, um, mm-hmm. but um, um, but really, really good men that I cultivated relationships with, and that that I took responsibility for building relationships with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those friendships. Those people that I could speak with um, the ability to share the experience of my wife because no one else understands quite like her what I'm what I'm going through. Right. The openness to do that, the openness to be able to share the experience with my daughter is the primary mechanism to make sure that she's not screwed up, completely screwed up by the situation. It's about openness. It is about being open hearted. Lots of therapy. Right. But, you know, the 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 underlying the underlying thing, I think the unifying characteristic is Community, human connection, and openness um, with whatever I'm feeling, with whenever, whenever I'm feeling it, and reflecting that into the world in an honest way, um, and reflecting that to the people that I love in an honest way. Uh, I think that's the linchpin, right? I think that's the difference between um, letting a thing destroy you and letting it, um, and throwing it on your shoulders or owning, I wouldn't even call it that. That's a, it's a little bit of a just, uh, just owning the experience and and letting it be a party. Right.
0: I I imagine that there's plenty of moments where you like stared into the abyss of, of the destruction. Like if like, were you in contact, are you in contact with, with, I don't know, that possibility or what that destruction, if it took you over.
1: Um. Yeah, there are a lot of those moments. There are some joyful fantasies at the prospect of taking my own life. Honestly, yeah. I mean it, it, that, thats um, where it, you know, sort of if only, <laughs> if yeah. only my daughter, um, uh, you know, didn't need me, right? Um, and it's it's that profound and that 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 penetrating a yeah. despair, and uh, what and it uh, it's saturated. They really saturated, and and, and I can't under communicate the amount of anger, right? And mm-hmm. the way you know, I had a lot of anger as a young man, and I thought I had sort of conquered that demon, but boy, did I not! Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it 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 rose in me to this sort of welling rage just beneath the surface, where any any small provocation from any stranger and I'm in jail for the rest of my life. Right. I mean, that's, that's how it needed a place to go. Right. And it's just this bleak, bleak perspective, absolute, absolute hopelessness. That's a word that gets sort of thrown around, but no, no hope, no hope, just duty. Right. No passion, just duty. Um, And you know, I, 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 I carried that. And this is, this is how I kind of came into your sphere. Right. And I want to kind of tell this, tell how I, you know, how I ended up connecting with you. Um, I carried that in February of last year, I went to a cabin with two of those very close friends of mine, Gavin and Ramsey. And uh, you know, 15, 20 degrees out middle of February very very cold you know janky old state park cabin with broken window panes you know freezing in one room and 90 degrees in the other you know just like <laughs> it's a it's glamping but there are still privations I just want to communicate that but but uh <laughs> um, yeah I went to this uh cabin with these with these gentlemen and um you know these are really reflective people and they they helped me through a couple of mechanisms but they helped me Um, come to this really profound epiphany. Um, I was in these deep conversations with them and I was looking out the window at sunset through this broken pane of glass. And I just saw um, this beautiful, beautiful sunset through broken clouds and had this this sort of realization that this, this beauty is around me everywhere, that there is daily beauty around me. Mm-hmm. and that it, and I, and i have not i had i had not been able to see it right mm-hmm. and i started to understand and to realize that the nature of how i remember my son that all of the anger and all of the despair the rage the shame right the mm-hmm. the the feeling as a father that i failed to protect mm-hmm. my son from that circumstance right mm-hmm. and uh, that it was coloring my memory of my son mm-hmm right that it was becoming the memory of my son and completely dissolving and diminishing the beautiful human being that he was i failed to really remember the moments of joy with him and focused only on the pain right only focused only on the anger and when i when i sort of resolved to see that daily beauty i just became immensely grateful this profound gratitude for my wife for my daughter for those two men who are sitting next to me on that couch, right? Um, for the people who have helped carry me and who I have helped carry through their own parts of life, right The joy and duty of being of service to others, right. And, um, and it, it, it occurred to me that if I don't if I don't see my son for who he is, if I don't let go of this anger, then um, not only will I lose my son, but my daughter, lose any recognition of who i am as a father she'll lose any knowledge of me as a real person just only as the broken man that stood before and that just set me on a path where um i built a practice around gratitude i really put a lot of intentional work around trying to see and access this beauty and and it ultimately led me to one of your retreats, um, mm-hmm. your, your, you know, your, your force of nature retreat, which was just a profound experience for me in terms of, you know, not only connecting with men, right. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's, that's important, but being in that space, um, having those very kind of focused conversations very vulnerable conversations with, you know, what men who started as strangers just gave me clarity around how do I take that revelation from, from February and put it into a practice, into a focus going forward. Right. Um, and it was just a profound experience and, um, and, you know, the experience is by no means over. Right.
0: Yeah. Do you, I am, I have a inkling or intuition that, um, the part of you that you've talked about that mobilizes and that makes a decision and sees something through, is, is, is that intertwined here? Is, 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 is there some, that part of you sort of, I don't know, supports you through this? I mean, I guess, my, my, again, I'm, I'm curious about since last February in a sense where you just sort of turned your yeah. muscles onto that. Is that, is that part of it?
1: Yeah, so th- that will that I started yeah. this conversation out with, like yeah. the difficulty of my childhood, the fact that I am kind of a I am accustomed to carrying burdens on my shoulders. Right. Like yeah. I built up a skill set and that skill set was incredibly valuable in carrying me through the, the months and sort of years after my son's death. Right. Yeah. But I relied very heavily on it. And um, and I distracted myself a lot with frenetic drive and energy, and to try to look away from the grief because every time I looked at it, I mean, I kid you not, just it's how can I end this? How can I end this? I can't, I can't do this, right? And that drive carried me. That drive carried me. And I think what happened in February is connecting, and ultimately in you know with you in October, that group of men. Um, is to connect that drive with um with opening my heart to the feeling and letting the feeling wash over me um, and connecting those two fundamental parts of who i am and pointing them in the in the same direction right
0: yeah. there's a, a story i, I had probably i thought i wanted to maybe share in this call and i had completely lost track but it just flooded back and i'm just to share a little bit um, I don't remember what year it was exactly it was probably 2018 or 2019. I, I one of the expeditions I led with every man in uh, Yellowstone uh, I won't share the name we'll keep confidentiality here but but uh, a man I'd worked with before came out to uh, to the trip and we were in a um, kind of like a lodge right before we got on the trail to go hiking and I knew this man had lost his wife. He had shared the story of losing his wife. Um, He still held just, you could see it in every cell of his body that that, what he carried with it. And we sat down, we were in small groups and it was his turn and you you never quite know what's gonna come up or where the conversation is going. He wasn't prompted to go here, but he sat there and six of us sat with him as he recounted the story of holding his wife in his arms as she passed. She had cancer and they were in the hospital and he talked about he could feel her last heartbeat. He could feel her last breath. And um, it was at a time uh, where I was under stress and stress in my marriage, stress in my relationship. And I think it's maybe a little extra dramatic to say this, but there, there was an element of that um, changing my life really changing my life to actually not just to hear a story but to be in contact with him in the full experience as he relived it and he shared it with us it it, it, it did it changed my approach to my marriage and my wife indefinitely and it hasn't gone back right it was a fundamental shift and I feel like something like that is occurring for me as as I hear this story for you and and it really is um I don't I'm not trying to make a clear ending or a story out of it but um there is such a an immense gift um that comes from from hearing you share i don't know what that gift is exactly but it but it is it seems of primary importance to me and it seems of primary importance to um to share and you know again i'm not i don't know what the intended outcome specifically is, but I just feel like, um, you know, this, this depth, this truth of life, you know, like we, we hear it, maybe we stay away from, maybe we hear it all the time. Maybe we even think about it, but this fucking shit ends and it ends soon. Mm -hmm. And it ends for all of us. And it ain't fucking pretty when it ends And, and like, um, in the context of fatherhood, I just feel like this is a critical element to wrestle with. I just think it's fucking critical. And, um, I think I do a fairly good job of, uh, of being present and really, really, um, soaking it in, soaking the good in just, just being with it all. But I don't know, there's a gear here. There's, there's a, there's a gear of, of greater depth. Um, I'm just, I'm just so, I'm so grateful for you um thank you and uh yeah and i know and i know that there's 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 um there's something forming in you of 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 what you're doing and would love to hear i mean mean, we can go to that if there's anything else though that's just that that you're feeling
1: no you know i think um i think one of the one of the unintended consequences, and frankly, one of the gifts that Oscar gave me after he died and that he continues to give me is it forced me to shrink my life. To some degree early on, we we were on kind of full life support systems. What was most important are my wife Maria, my daughter Hannah, and that's it, right? And all of the, all the extracurriculars, all the other things that I had given so much energy and time, and that had taken such a large part of my mental energy, right, (laughs) faded away. And, and the focus that I had on those people that were most important to me, that those close friends that are most important to me, and focusing on those relationships, and creating space for them on a daily kind of consistent basis. um, That was, that was a, that was a hard lesson to learn. But it's one that has continued to to to, to 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 add value to my life, right? And I think, independent of the, even the risk of one of our children dying, we've got twelve years with them before the primary sphere of their life is influenced by is is surrounded by friends, right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, we've got twelve years. That's not very long, you know. That's a president and a half, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just not yeah. much. And um you know, it's very easy to say, you know, blink and it's going to be gone. I mean, there's a lot of kind of sort of trite things that you can say, but it, you know, it's trite. Maybe it's trite for a reason. Maybe it's a, a cliche for a reason. You know, it's um, it's right there. They can all just go away. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so. Um, you know I think what what maybe I what I'm trying to do, uh, at least kind of the purpose that I'm trying to lead with is to is is focusing very much on my relationship with my daughter as kind of first and foremost, and building my life around that to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, making her a part of my life. But I think what i'm what I'm what I'm also really uh, you know working to do, and I'm working with you and through one of your programs to help um, to help articulate, um, is to start creating space for grieving fathers, for fathers who have lost a child, to um, form community, to form the kind of friendships um, with folks who are going through a similar experience, um, and uh, you know, uh, create a space to grieve. So, you know, starting at my first cohort that in, in May, I'll be taking a, a about eight men uh, into the woods on a three day. I have a kind of experience in the back country. It's it's one of my I spend a lot of time there just for personal reasons. Um, to really engage with some of these questions around anger, around shame, around around love and sadness, and to try to help connect those folks with each other um, mm-hmm. uh, and create community because there really isn't a community. There really isn't um yeah. there aren't services, frankly. The grief, the kind of focus of grief work tends to be around women, largely because women. Uh, speak that truth easier than men usually do right they know they're better at asking for help they're better at seeking it rather than suffering in silence right um and what i what i'm really working to do is to help help break down that barrier for men who are going through this and um and give them a path towards seeing that daily beauty
0: did you have um any men that have experienced this uh, in your path that was, was that a part of what was helpful for you did you have examples or community of anything like that
1: no you know i i I didn't i didn't um but i i will say uh uh about a year year or so in i connected with um someone i someone who's a he's a he's a wildlife biologist that i really respect and that i kind of pay attention to you know and he he lost his son and i uh, i started connecting with him on a monthly basis um early on in the process where we sort of share our experiences and just just as a as an outlet of you know someone to speak to and someone to be there for right um and that has, that's been very impactful for me personally and just having that connection and I think I think it can be impactful for 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 other men as well. So you know, I just want to yeah. I want to help 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 folks make that connection.
0: I'm kind of looping back to a different part of the conversation for a second. Yeah. But wh- where did the anger go? What what you said you needed a place for that to to, to go, and I'm curious what what you see.
1: Yeah, I you know, um, the anger I think is about where it went is to into a place of forgiveness, and I think. Um, well I, I don't know let me just be honest i don't i don't really yeah. i don't really yeah. know where it, where it goes and and i think feeling a sense of purpose feeling like mm-hmm. i can create positive outcomes out of the, out of the death of my son is is it's an absorbing focus right what i have to be concerned careful about is how much of it is a distraction and uh, from yeah. from the feeling and from the anger Um, therapy has been critical. Do not, if you were a man, (laughs) discount the value of therapy, right? It's, um, it's, it's incredibly important. Um, but the anger is still there. I mean, it's, it's, and and I think it will always be there, right? It's, um, it's a question of when it wells, um, finding an outlet, finding a person, having a person to talk to about it right? Yeah. Having a, having yeah. a community, having, being able to speak to my wife about it, being able to speak to my friends about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to speak to a therapist about it, it's creating a, a, a path that exercises it rather than builds it in your body to the point yeah. where it is, uh, it's dangerous, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. so I'll let you know when I figure it out.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Oh,
2: I just had such a clear follow-up question to that. Where did it go? Oh, I got it. I'm curious about, I mean, what whatever
0: this word and question means to you, but um, I don't know what's been the process or impact from a spiritual lens. D- does does that part of life uh, play into to the process of this?
1: No, um, that's an that's an interesting question. So. i uh this i was kind of raised in this um in this world where i'd spend six months going to a church very intensively and then six months when my dad was on a bender right and Mm. um and i had this experience maybe when i was in kind of early high school years where we were going to a pentecostal church like stand up and speak in tongues kind of place right and uh and my father was sober. He was doing really well. And after a period of time, he asked um, he asked the pastor to join if he could join the church. And the pastor said, "No, we don't think you're the right person for this congregation." Right. Hmm. And I had always been extremely skeptical of the whole sort of experience, experience that sort of experience to begin with. And it, but but that experience and at that moment painted a it left a pretty nasty taste in my mouth as it relates to mm-hmm. that kind of pursuit and I, and I went on this sort of journey of ultimately ultimately sort of deciding on atheism and then once I sort of became mature enough to realize I don't know what the hell I'm talking about you know accepting that there's just uh, there, there's no clarity around some greater purpose but at, but at for me but at the same mm-hmm. time at the same time I've always felt a sense of connection and 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 sought and felt this sense of awe um this love of poetry this Mm -hmm. this love of the poetry of human connection right Mm -hmm. and and i and i and i view that as as spiritual or as 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 honest a thing to find meaning in as as exists right yeah now i have not this hasn't this experience hasn't brought me closer to a god or to a to a mm-hmm. supreme being it hasn't taken me further from it right
2: mm-hmm.
1: i i had um you know i i think my 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 sort of spiritual connection the thing that i'm looking for is to hold um
2: my relationships as sacred yeah. All right yeah. so you shared,
0: you know, I, I know your relationship to the woods and to nature, and you shared that that you and Oscar, that's where you went together. And are the woods a place that that are healing for you now, or, or is it complicated? It's
1: very complicated. It's very yeah. complicated. Um, so um, one of the things that I have done as a practice, because I don't want to lose it, is to put myself in the woods and to put myself in those places where I can feel that sense of awe. But yeah. very often when I'm there now, I just want to come home and be next to my wife and daughter. Like there's a, there's a, there's a retreating quality. I think that, that, um, yeah. that has come out of this for me and that has created, um, you know, some challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know with this absolute certainty that I can't let it go. Right. That if I let it go, if I somehow let it drift out of my life, it will be yeah. one of the most profound regrets I ever have. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because. Um, it's it is a place of peace and beauty, it's you know, when you look for opportunities to feel completely present in your life, for me, it's in moments with my children and it's in moments in the woods. Yeah. You know, um, and I've seen some incredible things, I had some incredible experiences, incredible encounters, just absolute profound beauty. It would bring you to tears. Right. That mm-hmm. has brought me to tears. And I never want to lose that. <laughs> I know, ne- you know, I never want to lose that. Um, and sometimes. When I'm in the woods, it doesn't happen like it used to, right? But sometimes when I'm looking at a sunset or I'm watching a sunrise or a scarlet tanager dips from the tree canopy and and uh, sits on the barrel of my shotgun, right? When I'm turkey hunting, out hunt a little bit. Um, I see these sort of glimpses of beauty and I have moments where there's a completely untroubled reflection and, and acceptance of what I'm feeling around my son, what I'm feeling around my people, right? And um, that's a conduit it's a, con- it's a conduit to feel, not just what you feel in the woods, but to feel your life. And I think, um, uh, that's, that's something I'll always build time for. Um, even if it's hard. Yeah.
0: We should touch in. We were talking about doing a Turkey camp this spring. I'm still very interested. We should, we should, we should chat about that.
1: Oh, it's happening. Um, it's happening.
2: All,
0: right. all right. So here's the, here's the, here's the sort of part where, um, where I ask you to to speak directly to uh, to men, to dads, to people who may become dads, whoever's listening, and um, to whatever level you're comfortable, you know what what do what do what do we need to know? What do we need to hear from your perspective, or or what's the if, if there's anything if you had our ear fully and, and we'll really listen, what do you say?
1: That. Um everything you were looking for on the horizon is hollow in comparison to holding your child's hand. I
2: think that's it.
1: There's all kinds of meaning in the world. There's all kinds of, uh, of great focus. There is no, no greater meaning and no greater purpose than just spending boring, ordinary time with your children, looking at them eye to eye, um, and being fully in their sphere and letting them be fully in yours. I think that's the whole the whole point. I think
2: that's the whole point. Yeah. Well, then I think that's the right place to to end. Let's not complicate it beyond that point. I think you're
0: right. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, man, if uh, if the listeners are feeling half of the impact that I'm feeling, then we did a really fucking fantastic job here. Um, I'm really yeah. I'm just in honor and um yeah if i could if i could even just hold the kernel of your grief and make make your load a little lighter uh then i'm i'm here to do that and um yeah i really appreciate you uh and i think the you know i'm here to support you in in your uh in your journey to 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 create something for grieving dads um i'm completely in and uh yeah excited excited for uh for that arm of service to, to 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 be established and you know after a really a, a adult lifetime now of, of supporting men you know i can't think of a no more i can i actually can't think of any more acute um you know example of of where the the general societal lack of of support for men or, or permission for men uh, i can't think of anything like more acutely necessary and so um Thank you for that. Thank you for everything. Uh, yeah. And if if folks want to get in contact with you, um, what's appropriate? And, and we can also, I know you're kind of early in the, in the phase of getting your <clears throat> internet assets together. So I'll probably splice in uh, a little bit of an update here at the end of the sure. podcast. But uh, what do you got? What do you got currently?
1: Yeah, so folks can reach me at fathergrief.com. So there'll a, be a, a website set up there, as well as an email address, Ingram at fathergrief.com. So um, really just the focus is, um, again, around creating some resources, you know, written resources, writing space, um, retreat, kind of wilderness focus um, for these men, um, and creating a way to do that so that it's accessible for, for anyone, regardless of socioeconomic status or background or whatever it looks like, right? So um any questions i'm happy to answer and and i'll i'll say dan i i uh, really really appreciate your heart and i really appreciate you know the energy you brought to this conversation and that you're that you know you're a, you're um uh, I, I i hope to know you for a long time yeah I feel the same thanks brother see yeah. you soon bye.
2: bye
0: thank you for listening if you used up all your kleenexes go buy some more um appreciate your attention and your time. Please do all the things. Share with your friends and colleagues. Share with any dad who might need to hear this and share with anybody else that might want to hear it as well. Um, Thank you, and we'll see you next time.